Please open the precious, inspired Word of God to the fifth chapter of Romans and let us consider this twelfth verse. I hope that you know the context of it. The context leading to it begins in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We just sang about, ah, can my God His wrath forbear? And me the chief of sinners spare? Ah, yes, He can. He can through Christ Jesus, the Lord, who made an atonement for us. And then we come upon the twelfth verse. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Then in verses 13 through 17, we have a parenthesis. It's not in every one of your Bibles. We have a parenthesis that is obvious in the language because the conclusion from the 12th verse is found in verses 18 and 19. The material in 13 through 17 is explanatory, contrasting and comparing the first Adam and the second Adam. And we are going to deal with those later. Today we want the 12th verse. You likely know the verse well. Many theological battles have been fought on this ground right here. We are walking on blood-stained territory that counts, not the foolish battlefields of this world. Blood-stained territory where men gave their lives for what is called the doctrine of original sin. This is not total depravity, and I will probably repeat myself on this point somewhere between five and ten times. Total depravity is not taught in Romans chapter 5. Original sin is taught in Romans chapter 5, and they are two very different doctrines. This is the first verse that I memorized as a child. I have known that for 48 years because I was a five-year-old boy. For whatever reason, my parents chose Romans 5.12 as the first verse I would memorize, and I've remembered it with pleasure all my life. I didn't have to start with that other text that most Arminian parents start their children with. I got to start with Romans 5.12. I remember telling a dear old lady that was a great and long-time friend of our family that verse when I was a five-year-old boy. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. What a text we have. This is revealed truth. 
There is no microscope and there is no telescope that even gets you one inch closer to this revelation. It is only by the scriptures of God and our reading them and submitting to them that we can learn where did death come from? Why does death extend to everyone? Why does it extend to infants? Why does it extend to the heathen? Why does it extend to idiots? Why is death universal? What caused it? What is the origin? It's right here in this verse. And we believe it. And there's no other way that you can know this truth but by God revealing it to us. And great battles have been fought here. You know, it's a shame for me to tell you that men who are commentators would actually put in print that this is the most difficult passage in the New Testament. I'm sorry on their behalf. We don't have to work that hard today. But I do want you to understand every word of it. Here is the doctrine of original sin. That there was a sin that originated sin. And there was an original sin that brought death. And that original sin brought death on all of us because we have all sinned that original sin. You are guilty for eating the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as much as Adam was. That is the lesson of 12 through 19. One to many. One to many. The doctrine of representation. One to many. One to many. The disobedience of one made many sinners. It was his disobedience that made many sinners. That is the doctrine of original sin. That is the doctrine of representation because we carry it far past original sin. We carry it to our salvation because that's what the text does. That's what this passage does. The reason we have Romans 5.12 is so that we will appreciate 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. You wouldn't fully appreciate the second Adam unless you fully comprehended what the first Adam did to you. And that's why we have the 12th verse. The distinction between original sin and total depravity. When we say total depravity, we mean that man is corrupt in his nature. That means his heart and affections, his thoughts, are not Godward, they're earthward, they're manward, they're toward his lusts rather than toward heaven. It's a corruption of his nature. The corruption of man's nature is not in Romans chapter 5. It is a legal condemnation that is in Romans chapter 5 because we are legally guilty and legally condemned for what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord Jesus Christ rescued us from that legal consequence of the first Adam. This chapter isn't talking about the Holy Spirit rescuing us from the depravity of our natures by regeneration. This passage is talking about Jesus Christ justifying us from the condemnation that we had in Adam. I see two times. I don't ever want you to be mistaken. And you young men, don't you ever let anyone come into this church or ever tell you that the doctrine of original sin is a man-made doctrine and not taught in the Word of God. It's taught right here. And I'm going to show you how they try to get away from it, but I want you to be fully established in it. 
Go ahead and deny total depravity, some of you extreme Arminians. You're condemned by Adam's sin. You're going to hell anyway. It doesn't matter if you've got free will or not. Someone else who had free will already condemned you. Adam. Go ahead and deny original sin. Other extreme heretics, you're totally depraved without free will toward God. The God of heaven has us both ways because we corrupted not only ourselves legally, but we corrupted ourselves naturally. We corrupted our nature. Extreme Arminians like Campbellites have to get rid of original sin. They deny it. They make statements like, We are born sinless, pure, and spiritually alive. That's a quote. Because if salvation is dependent upon an adult baptism by a Church of Christ preacher, then what do we do for everyone before the age of accountability? We get rid of original sin. That's how we can make mommies happy by getting them into heaven. Now, if we're Catholics and we believe that it is our church's baptism that gets people into heaven and we accept some version of original sin, what do we do with baptism? We apply it to infants so we can make mommies happy. This is where theologians become pragmatists. What will keep the women happy in this church since the Catholic Church is made up of women, what's going to keep them happy? Let's get all their babies into heaven. And so they invent infant baptism because they have accepted some version of original sin. Though the popes have said original sin is the least of all sins. Now, now when I read Genesis 2 and 3 and Romans 5, I don't find it the least of all sins. Now, why would they say that? Let me tell you why. Because they have to invent a place called Limbus. Limbus means the edge. There's a special place on the edge of hell for people who have not got a Roman Catholic baptism. And so if a baby dies of a Protestant, they get to go to Limbus, where it's not too bad. It's on the edge of purgatory in hell. And once they came up with that doctrine, they had to extend it and call it Limbus Patrum because they had to provide for all the Old Testament saints because no matter how good, whether Abraham or David, they never got a Roman Catholic baptism either. So they go to Limbus Patrum. Once you accept the doctrine of original sin and you try to accept the doctrine that baptism saves, what do you have to do? You have to baptize as early as possible. And that's why Roman Catholics have in the Catholic Encyclopedia intrauterine devices for baptizing babies before they're born just in case there might be a miscarriage. Now that is superstition and bondage of the highest order and it comes from making doctrinal errors and then trying to be pragmatic with weeping women. Women, there's no reason to weep. If you think you love a miscarried child more than the God of heaven does, or that you understand why that child died more than the God of heaven does, you are entirely wrong. And you are entirely out of place. And you should not ever question what he has done. Amen. Those children are his, not yours. Nay, but, O woman, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed 
Say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? He is the potter and we are the clay. And we are not going to speculate beyond Holy Scripture. We will speculate this far. There is no more gracious, merciful, and kind, fair, and just being in the universe than the God of heaven. It is certainly not you. The least little bit of offense and you'll tear someone's head off. I know that about every one of you. And I said it in loving kindness. Because by nature, what does the Bible say? We're hateful and hating one another and full of malice and envy, including women. Romans 5, look what they do. One of the gravest scenes, and I use the word intentionally, one of the gravest scenes is to find one of those areas in our nation called cemeteries and see an erected tent and to realize another life has ended, another body is no longer living, another person has ended all earthly ambitions, all earthly endeavors, all earthly efforts, and is consigned to physical corruption in the ground. I hope when you drive by a cemetery, you stop and think about it. That is the end of all flesh, and we know where it came from. It came from Adam. God said, Thou shalt not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we are all dying at this very moment. Death death is clutching at you and grabbing at you every organ, external and internal. It is consuming you and will take you down. There is no discharge in this war. Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. Grammatically, in Romans 5.12, you may leap from that last word, sinned, all the way to the 18th verse to pick up the therefore. That's what parentheses are for to tell you if you want to cut to the chase and understand the argument directly, then read Romans 5.12 and then verses 18 and 19. In between is explanatory additional information which is full of precious jewels. Because while the first Adam and the second Adam have some things in common, each being the representative for a group of people assigned to him, there are some things that are different that make the second Adam better than the first Adam. And we'll get to those in time. Brethren, be with me. Stay with me here in this 12th verse. Wherefore, what is the connection of Romans 5.12 with the verses before it? The connection is in the word atonement. Atonement. What is the word atonement? It means the action of putting at one again. Putting at one again. Well, why would you need to put man at one with God again? Because man was separated from God. And where did the first great and the most thorough and complete separation take place? In Eden. Wherefore is not therefore. Therefore is almost exclusively drawing a conclusion. Wherefore is often introducing further explanatory material on an argument that's being carried out. And it's going to be carried all the way to the end of verse 19. Verses 20 and 21 have a different point that the apostle wants to make. Wherefore is explaining 
how we should be joyful in the atonement we have in Christ Jesus. Is that what verse 11 told us? And not only so. Now, wait a minute. We have the death of Christ in verses 6 through 8. We have the life of Christ in verses 9 through 10. And in verses 9 through 10, it says that the life of Christ is much more than the death of Christ in verses 6 through 8. Are you with me? But then in verse 11, it says, and not only so, we're stepping it up. We're stepping all the way up to the fact that God has reconciled us to himself and made an atonement through Jesus Christ. And not only so, but we also, we also, here is something additional. We joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. A man came to undo the separation caused by Adam in the Garden of Eden. Are you able to make that connection between 11 and 12? I want you to fully appreciate this 12th verse. Could I preach 12 through 19 in one sermon? Of course. Could I preach 12 through 21 in one sermon? Of course. Could I preach Romans 5 in one sermon? Of course. But you'd be cheated. I want you to understand 12 because young men, don't you ever let anyone corrupt verse 12. It's there for a reason and the wherefore is there for a reason. The wherefore is explaining the atonement that we needed made because of the separation that I read to you earlier from Genesis chapter 3 that occurred between God and Adam and Eve. Ah, can my God his wrath forbear? Is Romans 5.12 the end of the gospel? Or is it the beginning of the gospel? In a sense, it's the beginning. Because the good part of the gospel comes after the 12th verse. Ah, can my God his wrath forbear? And me the chief of sinners spare? Is there some sweet promise in God's word that would keep me from despair? There is indeed. It's the rest of Romans chapter 5. But we're not going there today, so I need to remind you periodically, lest any of you go out and hang yourselves. Because there's no reason to do so. The reason is you want to hang on the sweet promises that are found in the rest of Romans chapter 5. But in order for you to appreciate those sweet promises, you better understand verse 5, verse 12 of the 5th chapter. There is no anthropologist, sociologist, medical researchist, biologist, or anyone that can even touch the wisdom of Romans 5.12. It tells us where death comes from. They can count DNA all they want. DNA has God's stamp upon it. And it's a stamped curse that this body in all of its members will die. And it's from Romans 5.12. Wherefore, we can best view the connection if you'll understand atonement. If you do any line drawing in your Bible, then you can circle or underline the word atonement and connect it to the word wherefore, because that's what Paul's explaining. Because what separated us and what got us back together? In 11, we know what got us back together. The Lord Jesus Christ, the second Adam, that's about to be explained. But what tore us apart in the most complete and dramatic separation between God and his creatures? It was Adam. And we're about to learn of that in verse 12. Remember the Apostle Paul is seeking to destroy Jewish legalism. He showed the Jews condemned by their actions in chapter 2. He showed the Jews condemned by the law 
in chapter 3. He then compared the Jews to Abraham in chapter 4, showing that Abraham, long before Moses, was declared righteous by God without Moses. Therefore, Moses must not be very important, Jewish legalists. And Jewish legalists who think yourselves different from the Gentiles and who pride yourself on things obtained from Mount Sinai like circumcision and the law, let's go back to Adam, who is the father of us all and who established a law before Moses gave the law. Moses gave the law in 15, in 2008 after creation, 2000 years after creation, 2000 years BC. Moses gave the law, but there had been a law in place for 2,000 years. It was the law of Adam. It's described in verse 13 where it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Therefore, if you're able to read English, you know that there was a law before there was the law. There was the law of Adam. And it condemned us all to death. And so look where he's taking the Jews. It is quite a pleasure ride, isn't it? Chapter 2, dedicated to them. 3, showing that the law condemned them. 4, Abraham proves your system of justification is wrong. Chapter 5, let's go back to the beginning and find out that even if you were to be sanctified by the law of Moses, you're condemned by the law of Adam. You you follow. It's, It's beautiful and it's powerful. And if you think you're any different than the Gentiles, we all have one common Father, and the death that reigns is not death that reigns because of the law of Moses. It's death that reigns because of the law of Adam, and it reigns over all of us, Jews and Gentiles. I just want you to see the depth and appreciate the argument of the Apostle as he refutes heresy. It's thorough. It's inspired. It should be thorough. It's very thorough. Wherefore, as by one man, here is the doctrine of representation, as by one man. It is one man affecting many. The one man, Adam, affected the many in him, who are in him, every single human being conceived by a man, is in him. Who is in Christ, all those chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, the one and the many, the one and the many, is the thought and the comparison and the contrast made throughout this passage. Don't forget it. Wherefore, as by one man, we are dealing with something here that happened upon the whole human race because of one man's transgression. That one man is named in verse 14, and his singular transaction transgression is listed in verse 14. That is what we are dealing with. We are dealing with Adam and what we read from Genesis 2 and 3 earlier this morning. This is the doctrine. Wherefore, as by one man. By one man means that it was one man, the means of one man, the instrument of one man, the condition of one man that corrupted the human race and brought death. Far beyond your own sins and far beyond my sins, even if we were able to cover them by some means, there is another sin far greater and far earlier, which carried with it the serious consequence of death in three ways. Spiritual death, 
that occurred the minute they ate that fruit. Their eyes were opened. Something spiritually happened to them. Their eyes were opened so that all of a sudden they were ashamed with their nakedness. They were guilty. Their eyes were opened to guilt. And so they made themselves aprons. Instantly there was spiritual death. Instantly, when they heard God in the cool of the day, they went to hide themselves rather than to run to meet Him. Oh, brethren, don't you go run and hide from God. When you have sinned, go run to Him in the cool of the day. Go run to Him in the heat of the day. No matter what part of the day it is, run to Him and beg for mercy. He is ever merciful. He's forgiven greater sinners than you'll ever be. Run to Him and repent. There are three little words that will help you hold fast. Romans 5.12 Three little words upon which men have accused each other of being heretics that they miss. They want to play in a language that they don't know and we are going to deal with the language we do know. The three little words that will save you in in Romans 5.12 are as, so, and that. Two adverbs and a demonstrative pronoun. They will save you in interpreting this verse. I'm skipping over the as right now for a little while, but I'm going to tell you what it means. We find in this passage of Scripture more as, so constructions than anywhere else in the Bible in close proximity. As, so. Notice verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. When you have these two adverbs connected, and a good dictionary will show them being used this way, it will show as, dot, 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 so. The as, so construction is very powerful. In this specified manner, the first event took place, and the second event took place just the same specified way, is what as so means. And notice, we find it in verse 12. Look at verse 15 in the first sentence of the verse. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Look at verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one. Now, when you stick the adverbial even in there, you've really got yourself an airtight case. Because even is making it an even stronger argument. We'll get to even in its time. We don't have an even in Romans 5.12, but we've got an as and a so. As so. What does the dictionary, what does the Oxford English Dictionary tell you? I've just explained it. You should understand it in the way that the words are used. Of quantity or degree, in that degree, to such extent. In that way, in such wise. In the way or manner described, indicated or suggested. In that style or fashion. Denoting more or less exact correspondence, similarity or proportion. I like the definition. It fits exactly with what we understand about Romans 5.12. But wherefore, as by one man. One man brought sin into the world, and that man was Adam, and that sin was eating the fruit that had been forbidden to him, and that sin brought death. 
Because God said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, when we go back and read Genesis, there is nothing revealed to us there that God made a covenant with Adam. Nothing revealed to us in Genesis. But the whole Bible is a Bible of progressive revelation, meaning that we are shown more and more and more of the truth of the universe and the truth of salvation as we get to the New Testament. And so when we come to Romans chapter 5 and we read down through here and we find the one and the many, the one and the many repeated, we understand there was a covenant. Since Adam is the figure of him that was to come, there is a relationship that Adam held with his constituents that is comparable to the relationship Jesus Christ had with his constituents. Jesus has a covenant relationship to save everyone the Father gave him. Adam had a relationship of works with all the human race that would descend from him. And so we have verses like 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. How do you get into Adam? God chose you to be born into the human family. How do you get into Christ? God chose you to be in His family. Ephesians chapter 1. You quizzers, do you know Ephesians chapter 1? Could you tell me what verse tells me how we get into Christ? Is it the fourth verse? Can we quote it? It's a wonderful blessing. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Amen. Thank you, Lord. As so. Three little words. As so. And the demonstrative pronoun, that, in the last clause, are going to save us from this. Romans 5.12 has nothing more to teach us than that the first sinner was Adam, and that's how sin came into the world, and Adam died because of his sin. And all men, because there's sin in the world now, sin, and they die because of their sins. Sorry, that is not what Romans 5.12 through 19 is teaching. Romans 5.12 through 19 through 19 is teaching the doctrine of representation, the one and the many. The one and the many. It is a severe doctrine. It is a terrible doctrine. I mean that terrible in the way that it should strike terror into the hearts of men. Do you know that God created you and chose you into a family that was cursed and condemned already? You say it's not fair. Aha, you're out of place. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? I don't even need to explain to you how fair it is. It is incredibly fair. The best man that there ever was, only one commandment, in a perfect environment with a perfect wife. For a while. That sounds more than fair to me. Boy, if we left it up to you to represent the human race, how far back would we have to look? Would would we have to go back to Genesis chapter 3 in your life? Or would we have to go back about two minutes in your thoughts while I was preaching? It doesn't matter whether it's fair or not in our perspective. It doesn't have to be humane. It needs to be divine. And it is divine. It's divinely inspired. Romans 5.12 For those of you who work around people dying... Why do they die? Right here. 
I sat in my barber's chair yesterday, and a customer came in for one of the chairs, and the barber wasn't there, and he said, well, where is he? His name is Hodge. Well, he's in the hospital. Oh. So he left, and I turned, and I said, going to this barber for 26 years since I moved to Greenville, I said, what's he in the hospital for? Well, he got pneumonia. 21 days ago, he was in here. His face was so gray, we couldn't believe it. He was coughing so bad. We told him to go see a doctor. He's been in ICU for 21 days. They're giving him the strongest medication they possibly can, and they can't even touch it. Being in that hospital with that pneumonia and being hit with those antibiotics, and I don't know all the connections, and only God does. There's no one here or anywhere else that knows. His kidneys have failed. He has a blood clot in his lung, and they found a mass in his colon. And I know of at least one church member who had his hair cut by him four weeks ago. I say, Lord God, have mercy upon him who knoweth the hearts of all men. But I thank thee, O Lord of heaven and earth, that you keep reminding me that Romans 5.12 is true. One day this past week, Sherry and I were traveling on Highway 14 as we came to Woodruff Road and looked at that cemetery, and there was a middle-aged woman standing out there alone in that huge field, just staring down at this little grave. And I said, you know, men think that I'm harsh when I preach to my wife. I said, I said, men think I'm harsh when I preach. Why don't they come here and look at sin and its consequences? How can I be harsh in the light of death? Look at this verse. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. If you start fussing about Eve bringing the sin in, you're a scorner. You're probably going to hell. Why in the world would you waste time asking questions that don't have one bit of value? Do you know what the Bible tells me about people like you? That those are foolish and unlearned questions and striving about the law to no profit. In this context, Adam brought sin into the world. In the context of being deceived and showing weak character, Eve brought sin into the world. 1 Timothy 2.14 It is context that says everything. I just get discouraged hearing about some of the foolish questions that pop up in people's minds. Eve didn't bring sin to the world, if you want to argue about it. The devil brought sin to the world because the devil brought a lie to Eve before Eve sinned. Listen, God hates scorners. Fools are bad enough, but scorners are terrible. In this context... Adam brought sin into the world. That is all you need to know. The same kind of people go to Hebrews 9.27 where it says, It is appointed unto men once to die. And they say, Well, what about Enoch and Elijah? 
I have three words for them, and I'll not say them to be merciful to your ears. Those are scorners. Do not waste your time thinking in those paths. Think in the paths of what God has revealed and what He declares. In this context, Adam brought sin into the world. The covenant was with Adam. The covenant was not with Eve. Why in the world would Jesus Christ be compared to a woman? It's the first Adam and it is the second Adam. It's our first father and it's our savior. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. We read the verse earlier today, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam died immediately in his spiritual relationship with God. He no longer wanted God. He no longer wanted fellowship with God. He resented God. And he was going to take care of matters himself without repenting and going to God. And when God sought him out, he would hide from him. And when God found him where he was hiding, he would blame God for giving him a woman like Eve. Sound familiar? Do we still have such things in us? Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. That is where sin originated and that is where death originated in all three aspects. Now we have our so. And so death passed upon all men. And so death passed upon all men. This verse is not just telling us that the first man Adam sinned and so there was now sin in what had been a sinless world. And because Adam sinned, God fulfilled his promise, and Adam had to die. And that's all that the first half of the verse taught. And the second half of the verse teaches that this death that Adam brought in upon himself has been communicated to every other human being because they have sinned as well. And so it is just a general statement about the origin of sin and death. No. It is a very plain declaration of a doctrine called what we call the doctrine of representation and the doctrine of original sin. There is a covenant headship of Adam described here that is a figure of Jesus Christ's covenant relationship for his people. It is the one versus the many in every verse of this passage. And I'm going to prove it to you now in this grammar. The as so now comes to bear. Wherefore, as... By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Is that simple enough for you? Do you want me to read the definition of as so again? Do you see it? As one man sinning brought death upon all men. As in Adam, all die. This is the declaration of the verse and of the whole passage. And so, so is an adverb. And so, it's not just a filler word. You might have used it as a filler word in some of the papers you wrote in school. But see, God the Holy Spirit isn't using filler words. God the Holy Spirit is using an adverb to tell you in the specified manner, death passed upon all men. What is the specified manner? It's the clause marked by the adverb as. For as by one 
man's sin, so death passed upon all men. I hope it's plain to you. Spiritual death came instantly for Adam and Eve. We're born in it. Physical death came 930 years later for Adam. Death is clutching at you right now and will take you down. Eternal death, Adam met after 930 years when he was put under judgment. There's no reason to think whatsoever that Adam was a saved man. I'm sorry about the author of a song that would have God calling out, Adam, I love you, in that song. There's no basis for that at all. We are going to have a great day of judgment in which we will be cast into the lake of fire if our names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life, who is the second Adam. And that death is called the second death because it follows the first death of your physical being. In Hebrews 9.27 it says, It is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment which results in the lake of fire, which is called the second death. We're dead in trespasses and sins as well in another sense in that we have spirits that are rebellious against God and will always be so until we are given a new spirit by regeneration. And so death passed upon all men. Sinner, do you desire to escape the second death? I want to escape the second death. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 tells us that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can know that your name is written in the book of life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But that belief is no bare belief of facts. That is no bare belief of a profession. That is a belief that changes your life, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you live according to His commandments. There were some that believed on Him in John chapter 8, and Jesus said, If ye continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed. Look at Revelation chapter 2.11. I'm not done with Romans 5.12, but look at Revelation 2.11. I want to tell you sinners, I want to tell myself, I want to comfort you with, can we find a sweet promise there that would save us from despair? We are under one horrible curse because of our first father. And those of you that work around sick people, you see it every day. When you drive past a cemetery, I want you to think about it. They don't have an answer for where death came from. We know where it came from. And God chose to cause you to be born into the human family, even though there was the curse of death upon it. Revelation chapter 2.11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The second death can't hurt you if you're an overcomer, because if you're an overcomer, you are showing that you are one of God's elect, born of God, and on your way to heaven. What is holding you back in your life? What is discouraging you? What is the big, big problem that you have in your life that you can't overcome? He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. You can make your calling and election sure by adding to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, knowledge, godliness, temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, and charity. It's moving people. 
It's helping with a quiz team. It's serving one another. It's making baked Alaska. It's helping. It's serving. It's loving. It's being patient. It's being temperate. It's overcoming. Shall not be heard of the second death. Now, does that verse give you some comfort? I love Revelation 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death shall have no power. What is the first resurrection? When we're born again. When we're regenerated. When we're resurrected from death in trespasses and sins. Well, how do I know if I'm resurrected from death in trespasses and sins? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 5, 24. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to him right now and beg for mercy. Don't be like Adam and go hide in your life's activities. Run to him. He said, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. All all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I put that in reverse order. It's John chapter 6. You can go check me out on my poor recollection. John 6 and verse 37. That's exciting. You just sang a song that you would like to light on some sweet promise there that would keep you from despair. There they are. And that's just a smattering. Lay hold of them, brethren. Preaching the gospel... And telling you these promises is either going to be a savour of death unto death or a savour of life unto life. Now, overcoming in Revelation chapter 2 is overcoming a little tribulation. That's why I was mocking your problems. Because compared to the tribulation of those early Christians in the Roman Empire, you don't have problems. The last clause of Romans 5.12. For that all have sinned. If we look at the second half of the verse, it says, And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Is that what it says? Let me read it again to you. Look carefully. Romans 5.12 And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Oh, there's a that there. Now, is God able to say, for all have sinned, when He wants to? Does Romans 3.23 say, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Is he able to say it without a demonstrative pronoun when he wants to? What in the world's that demonstrative pronoun there for? It's therefore to tell you that in previous clauses the explanation has been already given as to why men die and whose sin is under consideration. That is what it's there for. That is what it means. For that... What has been explained already, all have sinned. For as it has been described, all have sinned. For that, all have sinned. How did all men sin? In the one for the many. In Adam for all that were in him. And notice we've got the as and the so in the previous clause. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so in this one way by one man, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, they have sinned in Adam. 
which is then taught and repeated over and over in verses 13 through 19. One for the many. Notice what it says in verse 19. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So when it says here in verse 12, for that all have sinned, how did they all become sinners? According to 519, by one man's disobedience. This is the whole argument. And therefore, without going to any other language, going to our English Bibles, we see an as and a so, we see a demonstrative pronoun that, referring us to the explanation of how we sinned in Adam and death came upon us. And then we have the context The context which repeats over and over and over, one for many, one for all. And where we have the fact that this first man, Adam, was a figure of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a covenant representative for those that the Father gave him. God is able to write a verse, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. But he put in that demonstrative pronoun, go look it up. Go look up the use of the word that as a demonstrative pronoun in a clause like this, and it will tell you in the way that has been specified and described already. And it will repeat that and pound that into your brain when that is used like this. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... And so, death passed upon all men for that, for in this manner, all have sinned. The that referring you back to tell you it is by the offense of Adam. We believe in original sin because we accept the doctrine of representation taught right here, which declares our guilt and coming judgment for the disobedience of our sin representative, Adam. We believe in total depravity from numerous other scriptures, though we understand it is not taught here. We believe in unconditional justification, eternal life, for they and all the other related facts of salvation were secured by the obedience of one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the representative and surety for his people. And how do we get in the Lord Jesus Christ? We were chosen there before the foundation of the world. You have only one hope, sinner. And I only have one hope. And believers, those of you who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and been baptized sincerely in His name, you've already stated your hope. You've already given Him the answer of a good conscience because you have found sweet promises in His Scripture that tell you Jesus Christ came and undid the work of the first Adam. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and make your calling and election sure. Because what a curse rests upon us. Every time you drive past a cemetery, think upon it. Every time you see sickness, realize death is clutching at that person. The Lord Jesus Christ has saved us. Though the second Adam did so much against us, the Lord Jesus Christ has done much more for us. Let me close with 20 and 21 of this chapter. After having told the Jewish audience in the church of Rome that before the law of Moses there was another law, it was the law of Adam. 
If you're wondering, my Jewish audience, what the law of Moses came in for, let me tell you. It's in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. 2,000 years later, Moses brought down the law of Moses from Mount Sinai. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. That what Adam did might abound as we see it proven in our lives every day. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a cemetery destroyer. Our Lord Jesus Christ has destroyed death. He's abolished death. And He's brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Do you know what? Everyone, when they read Romans 5.12, has to say that is true because everyone dies. Even babies die. But I get to read the rest of the chapter to you that tells us that everyone lives that is in Christ Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That is spiritual life. That is physical life. Our bodies will be resurrected. And that is eternal life. And it goes on to say in verse 21 that as sin hath reigned, he is called the king of terrors. Death is. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so. Oh, there's another as even so. But it's outside of our 12 through 19. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. By Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that glorious? That is the gospel right there. Sin reigns. It's clutching at you. It's taking Hodge the barber. It took a dear brother, father, husband, grandfather. But grace is reigning through righteousness and giving life, victorious power over death through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a second Adam. He's glorious. Run to him. Don't be like the, don't be like Adam and Eden. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. There is mercy to be found with the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest sinners in certain cities of Israel ran to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he didn't turn one of them away that came to him repenting of their sins. This is the first step to lay hold of eternal life. And then, You can help a brother move. And you can build up a good foundation against the time to come. You can lay hold of eternal life. That's all in the 19th verse of 1 Timothy chapter 6. May the Lord Jesus Christ be praised.